Blog Talk Radio. Turn the volume off on this. Well, okay, no BS. No. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Of course, and so you think you can dance when he won the second season of the show. 
Since then, he has been dancing and choreographing to just about anything. Um, could have his own show, Undercover Choreographer, because there's so many things we don't even know that he's choreographed out there in the media world. He uh, just recently decided to retire from competition by winning for I don't know how many times, Ben Benji, but the U.S. Open Swing Dance with his partner, Nicole Clanch. So a big LGBT welcome for the Leftist Trade Show to Mr. Benji Swimmer. How you doing, buddy? Feeling great in a room full of naked men, which is yeah. great. It's a beautiful <laughs> thing. Clothing yeah. optional. You never know. will all happen to be beautiful as well. Absolutely. Inside and out. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Palm Springs, we let it all out, baby. It just goes. Facebook living in three minutes. Exactly. Be sure to tune in. Um, Eddie Lobo, been a great friend of the show from from a long time now. Entertainer, actor, nonprofit founder, been in such great things from Desperate Housewives to Community to my favorite show, Chuck, because I love that kind of geeky stuff. Um, also, uh, show business family, uh, mother, father, grandfather, all in the business. Founded Friend Movement with our buddy, Ronnie Kroll. Um, that's making a resurgence now with a great new direction we're going to talk about later on. His stand-up comedy is amazing. Eddie, welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Glad to have you. Thanks for making it. Eddie was supposed to come last year. You gave up your seat last year. You were so kind. I did. We were were able to have Ronnie here, and you gave up your seat to Ronnie's boyfriend, uh, who was a great singer-songwriter himself, Brandon. So thank you for making this year. Gil Tatsu, how do I pronounce it? Tatsu? Tatsu. Tatsu. Yes. Thank you very much for coming. Gil is a model from Brazil originally. He's been in print and runways all around the world. He's uh, settled into uh, the U.S. here for the last five months now. I can't believe your English has been for only five months and you're doing this well. Yeah. Wow. I never have the class before to learn English. I learned it on my way, on my season. I was in Asia. I, I learned it there. English. It's difficult, so good, it's and it's even sexier if you talk without it, but no one else would understand it. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. Welcome, Gil. Uh, my good buddy Kyle Thomas, producer, writer, astrologer, uh, does so many great things. He has a great project in 365 Days of Love Letters. It's in uh, development right now. He's an astrologist. He's been featured all over. Love by Luna has put him in so many magazines you can't even imagine. I am so proud to say he is the co-founder and leader of Astro Kiki Radio right here in the Lefty Straight Radio Network, where astrology and pop culture mix, along with Sam Davidson. And uh, we love, we love. We love this Sam. We, we almost put her in drag and put her in, in a shirt and tie and had her come in. Yeah. It couldn't work in here for the end, dog. Clothing optional, that's your problem. Exactly. Yeah. My kind of giveaway there. Kyle, thanks for coming, buddy. Thank you so much for having me. So happy to have you. Rick Karatas. Karatas, say your last name, please. Karatash. Karatash. There's no way to the answer. There's no way to There you go. My accent is always one away from being perfect there. <laughs> Making a return engagement here to Palm Springs for us. Of course, actor, writer, and author, Walk a Mile in My Prada is such a great show. We'll talk about that. It's back on the interwebs now. You can see it on some of your favorite streaming services. It uh, has a great book, Rainbow Relatives. Uh, it gives really, talks about stories to help speak about LGBT issues for children. Um, some great people are our buddy Del Shores on it. Uh, of course, we have um, Bruce Blanche has been featured in it. So many great people. We'll talk about that a little more in depth. 
Thanks for coming back, buddy. Thanks for having me back. back. Yeah, Kristen, I, didn't, I guess I didn't blow it last time. So yeah. There you go. There you go. And, and strip, thanks for stripping down the time. Thank you for having me. I appreciate My mother might be listening to this. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> I can guarantee we are all close right now. <laughs> <laughs> Except Scott. Yeah. That would be the scariest thing of all. Oh, oh please. Guys, we will do a couple of live streamings throughout the show here. We'll, we'll come back from our first break. So you can see all these gorgeous men I'm surrounded by. Thanks so much. A big shout out to Jordan out there producing the show in Ohio. Jordan, thanks for being there for us. We appreciate it. She's pressing all the buttons and playing all the music for us today. We love you. Love you. Yay, Thanks. love you, Jordan. So, guys, let's jump right into it. Um, we'll do a couple of general questions. I want to get to each of your backstory a little bit. Uh, we are here on Pride Month. Last year I was able to bring the show in August which was wonderful, but hot as heck. Uh, we talked about the weather for us of the show. We're not going to do that. We have beautiful weather. I think we're like 92 degrees today. We have a beautiful pool, sunshine, jacuzzi. It's a beautiful time here. But we are in Pride season. So it's my first time here for Pride. Uh, of course, L.A. has a huge L.A. Pride next weekend. We had Laguna Pride here this past weekend. Long Beach Pride kicks it off here for Southern California. Beauty they had two weeks ago. A lot of great Pride events coming up. Let's go around the room. Um, when did you come out to yourself first, and what does Pride mean to you? How are we going to start with you? Well, I mean, I've actually, you know, I've, I'm bisexual. I've been attracted to both uh, genders throughout my life. But the big thing for me is when I started to fall in love with men. And that was kind of the awakening. I, I was very religious growing up, and so... You know, one thing that I always wanted, that I really believed in is that love is never wrong. And so that gave me the courage to really focus on connecting with, you know, someone authentically. And so, yeah, I mean, I, the first time I fell in love, I was 16. The second time I was 18. And, you know, here I am, you know, 32 and still looking for that husband. But, you know, definitely knowing that it's going to manifest in time. Very cool. I like it. Gil, what about you? Yeah, it's for me, uh, my answer will be short because the pride for me is fight for respect and for diversity and the love because the love is bigger than anything. Very well. Yeah. I mean, pride is for visibility for that side of the people we don't have visibility on. And when did you come out to yourself? It's kind of hard being out in Brazil, isn't it? When were you able to come out to yourself? Yes. What? When did, you, when did you come out to yourself? When did you first talk to yourself and say, I think I might be gay? Yeah, it's when I, I was a kid, when I had seven years, I looked to the magazine for the men, and I felt something different. And wow, oh my God, what is this? And when I discovered it, I, I get scared because I, I listen every, every time from my father, oh, this is wrong, this is wrong. But when I go out, when I go out from my parents' house to work and to study, and I knew, I felt this is the best thing in my life. Oh. I, I'm gay, this for me, it was like, uh, I'm different, you know? I feel, I feel different, and I respect more another person. For me, this is amazing. That is awesome. Eddie, what about you, bud? In the womb. <laughs> <laughs> When the nurse talked to my mother's stomach, I didn't do anything. The doctor apparently was very good looking, so every time he talked to the stomach, I kissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much that. Um, I think it was actually.
especially in high school, in the locker room, you know, when you start getting into junior high, you're now mixed in with other guys, and I'm like, okay, something's going on here, and I denied it for the longest time, had my girlfriend, I uh, kept myself going through that, and then as I got into high school, I'm like, okay, this isn't working out, and I went to work for the happiest place on, work, on earth, but it's actually the gayest place on earth, Disneyland, oh. and I'm surrounded by it. And they're very open, and I started realizing, okay, this is where it's at. And um, I don't deny uh, the fact that I'm, I'm attracted to women, not in a sexual aspect, right. but I do appreciate beauty. And um, but there's just something about the female species that is just absolutely outstanding. There's a beauty about them, right. provided they don't, you know, paint themselves to death. But same thing with men, but I find myself more physically attracted to men. And so I just, I stay on the fence. I don't look for any one certain person. I'm not looking for a female. I'm not looking for a male. I'm looking for a person with a heart and soul that connects with one. Okay. And so wherever it's going to balance out is where it's at. So I don't really classify myself as gay, as straight, as bisexual, or whatever. I just think I'm open to whatever is going to happen. Here you go. And what does pride mean to you then? Pride. Pride is really about just overcoming the obstacles that were set before. If you, you look at Stonewall and you look at all the things that have happened and how people that just wanted to be themselves couldn't congregate. They couldn't be openly together. Um, it's really kind of saddens me because I, I'm, I'm older. We're not going to go into age. But, uh, I'm older. I went through the entire HIV crisis. I remember when that started. And just watching today what pride is all about, people lost the focus of pride as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. They think it's booze and sex. Right. And that's the thing, is the people prior to that, um, they had to hide in dark rooms. They had to be off the street. And then God forbid, if, if the world found out where they were at, they would make problems. And why we've had so many problems come up in the past. So we've come a long way. And we forget that... Um, even though we have the ability to walk down the street and hold hands and be together, um, there's a limit. I mean, we're not impressed. People are not impressed by seeing two men or a man and a woman trying to devour each other in cafes. It, it's not cool. Right. I mean, it's just there's a time and place for everything. Passion, love, that's all cool. But if you get across the line, there's, there's kind of a line there. Right. So just because we don't care for that doesn't mean that two men or two women should be doing the same thing. Pride is not about shocking people. It's about having the ability to congregate, having the ability to appreciate, having the ability to be who you are openly without being persecuted or worried about being shot, killed, or hung for it. Well said, my friend. Rick, when did you come out to yourself, and what does pride mean to you? I uh, came out to myself, uh, what's weird, in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, I had a crush on a girl for some reason. And then in seventh grade, on the swim team, I can remember, like you said, Thing and thinking, wait, I'm noticing things I probably shouldn't be noticing, but I didn't quite connect it still. I kind of, you know, just put it off to the side. And even through high school and college, I kind of just putting, I did put it together, but just like, well, even if I might be gay, I can still fall in love with a woman, or, you know, so I kind of just suppressed it for the longest time. Not for, I wasn't brought up religiously or anything, but my parents, I think my parents were very conservative. My dad was from Turkey, my mom was from upstate New York, which was even more conservative than Turkey was. Right. But, um, so that played a part. I grew up in Long Island and stuff, and this is like 30 years ago, so it was harder back then to come out. But so it was after college, I was in my mid 20s. I finally kind of 
came out to my stuff and they other people. And what is the surprise to the media? Um, that's a good question because I, you know, I can't decide affecting people and being um, uh, for equality and all, all that kind of stuff. But the last three years, I marked which was, I never heard of them before, which I wish I knew about when I was in high school. And for my book, I uh, interviewed a lot of people from Keith Wagon. So I, it was the greatest feeling marching with it because people were, you know, you realize how much they helped kids and families because the, the reaction they got um, as they marched, you know, down the street. So people really, you could tell, really like that group. So that, I kind of associate pride with that a lot because it's a steady, generous mar march with us. Oh, nice. She's really nice. Yeah, so, yeah. so I guess, yeah, that's uh, kind of what I'm Very cool. Benji, what about yourself? Well, similar to some of the stories here, I think for me, I was always attracted to uh, a matrix of people. And so that actually made my coming out and accepting who I was a little bit more confusing just because of my hyper-religious environment that I was raised in. I went through change therapy for over 11 years from the time I was 14 and, and onward. Um, I did reparative and aversion therapy. So they would put erotic pictures of men up and they would make me drink Epicac syrup and vomit to learn how to like oh, trigger. Wow. Oh yeah. So I went through a very, very nasty conversion therapy thing. And it didn't really, it didn't change anything because uh, like so many of you have all said, for me, I was able to fall in love. I was able to romanticize with both men and women. And then the sexualization was just stronger on the spectrum of the male species as opposed to the female species. Um, I've been engaged to women. I've, I've had relationships, long-term relationships with men. So for me, it, um, I think I realized that I was gay. I came out officially uh, April 27, 2011, and that was a very important time for me. I remember that date specifically because it was the last time that I accepted that anybody could try and change me, or that they had the power, the influence, or the ability. So when it comes to that, um, I, I would say that it, it took me a little bit longer than everyone here, I guess, to realize that I was the way that I am or that I am who I am. But, um, yeah, April 27, 2011, so I was 27. Nice. There yeah. you go. All right. And what does pride mean to you guys? So, for me, uh, I love the fact it's similar to birthdays. I'm not big on birthdays. I'm not big on holidays. When you want to give somebody a gift, give it. And, and for me, pride is something that we should carry with us forever um, and consistently. And for me, um, I've never been to a pride festival other than um, I was at the San Diego Pride the first year that I came out, which was ironically the time where they had the Don't Ask, Don't Tell review. And it was wonderful to march in that moment. Um, similarly, I'll be at World Pride this year, which is great. And I've been working heavily with um, banning conversion therapy around the United States. And we have 19 states that we have passed the laws to ban conversion therapy to minors. And uh, we're working on the remainder. So. Um, for me, that's something that I'm anxiously engaged in, and I take pride actually similarly to that the generation before this generation, because I don't feel like many of us understand what pride is. A lot of people feel right. it's just a free-for-all to do whatever the hell you want, and yes, you do have that freedom, and that's part of what people have fought for, but I feel like um, pre-Stonewall, the people that were first marching that were receiving bricks and hoses, um, right. those people, I feel like, I want to live my life honoring them, and I have pride in them for having gone through and blazed a trail Love that we can that. easily prance upon um, in our stilettos and our flip-flops, and it's a lot easier than what it was several decades beforehand. So I take pride in those men, women, and trans individuals that, that truly set a path.
understand that more than anything. I love that. Yeah, I was very similar. Um, Eddie and I are close in age, and same thing. I was when I was coming out. It was late '80s, uh, just out of high school and starting college, and it was really scary because they, they didn't know what AIDS was, especially then. They they finally had a name for it, but they still didn't know how you can communicate it or anything. It was a scary time. It's like, well, what? I don't want to get into this kind of thing. And I honestly didn't know anybody in my school who was. Um, there was always the people. I think every school has people. People assume who were, but you know, whenever you do. And uh, it was it was a scary time. So it, it took me a while to come out to myself for sure. But it started right around. I think I knew when I was younger, maybe 11 or 14. Same thing as Gil. Kind of like, okay, I'm interested in these pictures a little bit more than those pictures. But I also did love the beautiful form of where I, I dated women in high school. Uh, I could definitely recognize the beauty in women. Um, I loved strong women. Uh, and so I liked the strength of women. Uh, but same thing, it took me a little while to come out to myself. And then as far as pride goes, very much the same way. I'm kind of torn. Doing a radio show, I kind of see both sides of it. I see the celebration of it, and I see the advocacy of it. And it's really... I get torn in both directions for it because it is so important in our culture that we have now the last two years with a new administration that's not as friendly, especially to our trans women or trans men and women. Um, it's, it's a real difficult time. We just had another, like you said, we just finished, I think, what's Colorado, the latest to ban conversion therapy. Uh, Colorado. And by the first out openly gay governor, I think, was able to sign it yeah. recently. So we're getting these kind of great things, which makes us great activism time. But again, it's a celebration. We actually know who the hell we are now, and we can celebrate that. So I think it's, it's a really hard juxtaposition to have, and I think we need to have both of it, from the flamboyance to the act-ups of the New Yorks in the back and San Francisco's back in the day. So very cool. I appreciate you guys all kind of sharing that with us. Benji, you talked about World Pride. Um, New York City is basically blowing up in rainbow glitter this June. We have a 50-year Stonewall of Pride anniversary. We have uh, New York City Pride. It's always one of the biggest in the world. And World Pride for the first time in America. So it's a big complex of just gayness in New York City. What do you get to do with that? What are you expecting to see there? Is it going to be overwhelming? Or is yeah. I, I, for, for me personally, um, I live in New York City part-time, and so the parade is actually starting right in front of the building that I live in right in front of the Statue wow. of Liberty, just in the okay. financial district. So for me, um, I'm, I'm excited to see what people have in store. Obviously, the, the visuals, I think, are very important. I'm more, I'm more excited and intrigued about seeing what happens with the Stonewall celebration. So there's an opening and closing ceremonies. It's going to be in Barclays Center for the opening ceremonies in, um, in Brooklyn, and then the closing ceremonies in Times Square. And so the fact that you have two different islands that are connecting everything through a bridge. I mean, it's, it's, it's brilliant to hear um, an entire state step up, even under this administration that was aforementioned. It's to me fantastic and beautiful, and I hope that uh, I hope that the White House and Pennsylvania Avenue can can feel it, hear it, sense it, and I really, really, truly hope that they put out the the rainbow lights that Obama once did when when the Marriage Equality Act. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. All right, very cool. Um, a couple things I did want to jump on real quick. I was able to go this weekend to uh, the Queer X Festival held by Reverie TV in downtown L.A. Some great short films um, on comedy and drama, but they premiered, or did the second premiere, so the official premiere was last week, 
but they premiered, um, it's called State of Pride. It's a great documentary. Um, Raymond Braun, who is an influencer and a YouTube celebrity, uh, executive produced and narrates it. But it was actually made by a team of powerful four women of allies with executive producers and producers behind it. They did a panel conversation after. And I encourage everyone to go see it. Again, it's called State of Pride, and they're putting it free on YouTube right now. It's released so anyone can see it. And the whole idea of it is celebrating 50 years of pride. And they, it's really cool. They're celebrating from the big city. They have a San Francisco segment. They have a Tuscaloosa, Alabama segment. They have a Denver um, segment. They have a Salt Lake City Salt Lake City segment. You would love Benji. They have a, uh, they have a great journey by this Mormon mom with her son. Her son is gay and disabled. Huh? Oh, okay. And uh, he his mom kind of not for it and everything at first. And just the producer talked about just the week they were there. Her transformation. They ended up marching in the pride parade with him for the first time last year. And the dad put a prize flag up in their yard, and it was just an amazing, five amazing stories. So check that out on YouTube. It's called State of Pride. Um, you won't be disappointed. It's a great documentary out just in time for Pride. And last thing I thought was kind of a fun thing, um, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, I just like their activism. They're great for a lot of different things that they've done in activism for life in general. Prince Harry is big on kids of Africa and Meghan Markle's big in women's effort and everything. And I didn't know it, but every month they try to concentrate on different people and follow different social media. So they put out a huge pride proclamation this weekend, celebrating pride and what it means and how important it is. And they are lending their voice by following um, the following people. So they follow them so they can retweet things from them. So they're following, um, the It Gets Better campaign, Human Rights campaign, Matthew Shepard Foundation, Elton John AIDS Foundation, PFLAG, and the Trevor Project. And so they're putting their name behind these, following them on, on social media, and then taking stuff and retweeting it all month long. So I love that people can use their platform for that and really bring attention to it. So anyway, happy Pride, everyone. We appreciate it. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, George is going to play for us our buddy um, Hayden Joseph's song, Out, in celebration of Pride. So listen to Lefty Straight Show live here from the Indulge Resort here in Palm Springs, California. Take it away, uh, Jordan. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Thanks for listening, everybody. Out of the woods, feet don't fail me now. 
they're bringing out uh, Batwoman. Yes. And they're doing the Candace Kane version of it, which is the lesbian, full-out lesbian version of Batwoman. Coming to the CW this fall, played by Ruby Rose, an out lesbian herself, who's so great in Orange is the New Black and all this stuff, a beautiful uh, person. And so I'm excited to see that coming up. Music, I have some great musicians on. Tomorrow we're going to bring Matt Stern on from Canada. We have some great LGBT musicians. They're out and proud and out there. But let's talk about your individual professions and what you see as LGBTQ representation. Kyle, we'll go ahead and start with you. You have a project in development, 365 Days of Love Letters. Um, what do you feel as a producer and writer? What do you think is your responsibility? Is it, is it a responsibility or is it just something you happen to write about? And how do you see the industry in general when you're pitching these things? Totally. Well, I mean, I think when it comes down to it, it's, you know, I'm focusing on a love story. It's not a gay love story. It's just definitely really connecting, you know, with, uh, you know, how we are living, you know, day to day and also, you know, building our lives with the people that we care about. Um, so, yes, you know, as a producer and a writer, I really do focus on trying to be authentic in that and, you know, creating something that's relatable. Very cool. And Gil, from a modeling standpoint, where is it? Is it something where you have to hide your sexuality? Is it something where it's becoming more open? I mean, we'll talk, we'll talk to um, Eddie in a second because I know Ronnie was one of the first supermodels and everything on that as far as an out gay one. But as far as your position-wise, do you feel like you have to hide who you are while you're out there right now? Do you feel a little more comfortable? Or where do you feel the, the industry is? And, uh, Totally, I have to write my, my sexuality and the models market because the, the more part of the client don't accept. Uh, I don't know why. Maybe it's because the client uh, choose the model because, oh, this makes me feel honey, you know, sometimes. <laughs> but uh, the, the, the big part, I have to write my sexuality because this is not... Uh, easy to sell, you know. Right. Uh, yeah, you. I don't need to say, oh no, this is a step. This is amazing. Gay. No, it's difficult. Be gay and TV or models alike. It's difficult. Is it different in other countries at all? Do you come, does it feel like different degrees, no. or is it the same around? The same. I was same in Asia. It's the same. I was in Europe. It's the same. In Brazil is the same. Here. It's the same. Everywhere is the same. I have to write my sexuality to work well. Very interesting. And you created a lot of projects, everything. And as you said, your business partner is Ronnie, Ronnie Kroll, who was the first openly gay on, on an actual reality series and make me supermodel. Um, but talk about, from your media standpoint, where you feel we are with LGBT in the media. Just whatever your comments are. Well, it's nice to see that it, that we don't depict um, being gay as just people that drink, do drugs, and have lots of sex. Which we're doing right now.
actually Ronnie was in it, uh, and, and uh, by John Gross and, and Jason Shepard, uh, Bob. It's actually a horror film, but the two main characters are a gay couple. Yeah. Nice. And I got locked in the film as if I would be watching something like uh, Armageddon or something. There's actually a story. And get the people today are being given the chance to write these great stories, but their characters are gay. And that. so now you're seeing this great movie. You see it, the base of the movie. And yeah, so maybe they're laying in bed and all of a sudden something flies across the room. But we're not focused on the fact that, oh, oh what are they going to do in the bed? Because we're fixed on the story. It just happens that the characters are gay. And we're seeing that more and more today. And we're seeing this creativity that is just unbelievable. And I'm really, really loving it. Um, I mean, I remember when Queer Spoke came on and we brought it here to the U.S. And when the first couple episodes, um, I was really kind of bent because everybody's watching this. And there it is. That's what we do. We go to bars. We're successful. We're rich. We have a, an exhaustible supply of money. We go to clubs. We go to back rooms. We have sex and we do drugs. Right. I'm like, so this is what the world's going to see. So I think it needs to be creative because if we're going to do it, we need to be accepted for, for the, the fact that our lifestyle is no different than anybody else's. Right. And what we choose to do behind closed doors or whatever else is our own business. Who we choose to love is our own business. And the fact that we can now portray it on film mm. and be a, a couple in a house, such as uh, Modern Family. I love the fact that it's two men, they have a daughter, and they're going through problems. There's funny in there. But 20 years ago, that never would have happened. Right. And I think people like Ellen, when she had her show, um, that comedy, I can't remember what it is, she came out on the show. People called Ellen. Yeah. <laughs>
uh, he believes marriage between a man and a woman, and I, she goes, I have a cousin, he's gay, I love him to death, but I just think, I don't think we should be teaching kids that, but I wish you the best. And that, so I had a little conversation with her. I'm not going to change someone's mind who thinks God is for it, That's who she's listening to. Right. You know, but, yeah. And uh, But most people, uh, but on the other end of that was um, an, an older woman in Long Island in a Q&A for the book, and she asked, is it a choice? Something like that. And I said, no, you're born that way pretty much. And she came up afterwards to get her book signed, and I realized she said um, her granddaughter had just come out, lesbian, she was like 15, and the grandmother herself was having trouble. She just didn't understand it. You know? Sure. But here right. she was giving this book and trying to understand it. And nice. Q&A. So that was kind of cool. So the, those kind of things are really nice. Um, uh, what else did you ask me? To, uh, I guess. No, that, that's pretty much it. That's kind of your, your point of view from the author world and whether what it's like out there for LGBT authors and if there's a special hoops you have to jump through as far as finding oh, well, publishers. This is ironic. So the publisher, I have a literary agent, and the, um, he was a little on the trend of going with the book or not because about talking to kids about LGBT. He's like, well, a lot of these issues have been solved already. Do we even need, need this kind of book? And this is like five years ago when I was a lead for right. a publisher and, and uh and, he, and then, and then he, he went with it. And then, like two years ago, when they came out, he says, "My God, we needed more than we did a few years ago." Because of all the stuff going on, all these laws being passed trying to disable religious freedom, but they're really just trying to take rights away from, you know, uh, gay people. So it's, it, in a way, it's fortunately it was. I wish it was not needed, but the book kind of still is. Even people right. who really think they are accepting and all, they still sometimes have the issue, even with two moms and two dads. And there's a whole chapter on that. The kids have that. And there are kids people right. being gay, but they don't think they should be raised by, you know, same sex or whatever. So a lot of those kind of things. But right. I think people are, I think it's healthy. Yeah. And Benji, from the dance world, talk about that a bit. I mean, just how rules so much, I would think of that, but I don't know what the backstory would be on that. What do you feel people assume, or a lot of people used to assume dancers were gay, I thought, I don't know. Yeah, I think so, with, with, with the dance world in, in particular, you know, it's, it's a funny thing at this point. Because we have a lot of dance television shows, but still we're seeing a lot of gender norms. So I'm not so concerned about the gay-straight debate because half the time people are either closeted for an image, an illusion similar to the modeling world. You're, you're selling a specific product, right? So you're selling a storyline on television shows often with dance or competition with dance, and the roles are so fixed. So um, I think a way that I combat that and many others is that we have now, uh, role-fluid, gender, non-binary role. So if the two people are dancing, you have a leader and a follower. Um, we talked about this last year on the podcast a little bit. So when I teach, you know, to change that vernacular and, and that dichotomy where you're, you're literally saying those that are leading or following, it's like saying, are, are you a center or a point guard in the NBA? Now, for those that are extremely gay, that's a basketball. <laughs> what I wanted to get at is, is it's very important to understand that it does literally take two to tango. It doesn't matter who's wearing the heels or who's not. At this point, I think we're, we're missing the mark often with gender norms and, and fixed roles and stereotypes in everything that we're doing with dance right now. Um, it's either hypersexualized in rap music videos or it's hypersexualized in gay and, and drag-themed music videos as well. And that's fine, and I understand that there's a place for that because there's a, a sense of escapism that we all need at times. Similar to what you were saying about Pride, how right. if you want the, the flamboyance of it all at some point. But on the flip side, I, I am trying desperately, really hard right now, to normalize any combination of people. Because ultimately, I think that, to me, that's very important, is to normalize the medians, no matter who we are, um, to just see skill, see art, 
see hard work um, manifest. And I feel like it really shouldn't matter at this point. And I would love, like, for example, there's that zombie apocalypse TV show in the flesh that I love that's gay-themed. But what's brilliant is at times there's men, there's women, they have crushes on each other, and it doesn't matter. And they're all dead. Like, it, 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 it's, it's, it's brilliant to me to see something like that where it's a little bit more ambiguous, and the ambivalence of it all is what's powerful at this point. So for me, in general, I just feel like in the media, with it, my relations to dance in particular, I would just love to start seeing skill meet skill. And, I, and, and even in the gay world, even gay-themed shows, I don't think we'd have to click clack in Death Truck every time. I think it's hysterical. I love this. There's a lot of skill to it. It's fun. But let's not, like, let's not create a subgenre that is so specific that we don't have room for growth. And, and I would love to see something that's absolutely very normalized as well, like an everyday situation come through in dance. And um, now that I'm retired from competition that you mentioned, one thing that I'm starting to do is something called 30 for 30, where in 30 minutes we put on a 30-second dance video clip. And I'm trying to make it very iconoclastic and mix it up the genres, mix up the roles. And I want to have a lot of stereotypical heteronormative people dancing maybe with a trans person and flipping the roles, who's leading, who's following. That's awesome. Who the fuck cares? I heard radio hasn't picked me up yet, so fuck them. So, yeah, fuck them. He just did a line of coke on I my dick. I'm just kidding. George, you were supposed to be on the beef on that tour. You missed the button. So sorry. There's a five-second delay, right? We don't have a button. Poor George. Why did you never tell me about the button? There's no button, George, but you should have been on it. Sorry, I apologize. Get out on me, guys. Sorry. Okay. All right, we are back. We are back. All right. Anything? Any final thoughts that I disrupted you? With regards to the media, no. I, I mean, obviously, I think we're going in the right direction. You know what's really funny is I think it was the Mary Tyler Moore show. Correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen. That might be a little bit more seasoned than me in the room. But in the Mary Tyler Moore show, there was a gay character, or was it? Was it? Uh, or Ted Baxter was flamboyant. No, not Ted Baxter. Not, not, not from Hollywood Square. I think it was a guest star thing where yes. someone, there was a neighbor, and it was like, I'm gay. Was it all yes. uh, No, I think there was, I don't know. Probably because Phyllis probably had a problem with him. So just like this, you can know the way. <laughs> what was really funny is that was the first gay character, to my knowledge, that ever was on television. And he was very, you couldn't tell he was quote unquote stereotypical gay. And it's funny because what broke through was the zany flamboyance of gays. That's what, because it was a clown act. It was entertaining. You know, the just jacks of the world, however endearing they are, they're so hyper-emotional and so um, cartoonized, right? And so as far as I'm concerned, I just would love to see, and not to shame anybody that's flamboyant at all, like for crying out loud, we're here to all gay men's somewhat nude resort right now. But what I'm getting at is I think it would be beautiful to start seeing people in the normalcy of it all. And not to fall under heteronormative constraints, but rather just people being who they are without the need for Instagram likes or crazy gratification. Like, I feel like there's just a balance and an equilibrium that we as a queer community need to focus on a little bit more. And more than anything, I love that we're actually starting to talk about trans issues and and gender fluid issues because I really think that we're at the precipice of change that can make a complete change for the world, and that's really where we need to be as far as I'm concerned. Well said. Good note to end on. Mr. Benji, thank you for that. 
right, guys, we're going to take another break. When we come back, I'll try to do a little live streaming. We're going to get a little into the stories of my five wonderful guests here. Uh, Jordan, go ahead and take it away in Ohio. We're going to play a little bit of Matt Stern, who is our guest tomorrow with Wanderer. You're listening to Left of Straight Show right here on Left of Straight Radio Network. Time. 
throw my hands up over my head and cry Still I know you are the one And I still taste you on my tongue And I would be fortunate to lie with you One more night
daddy left mommy for Tommy. That's not when one parent should that be gay. Um, kid, your father, well, she has something to tell you. So with a sense of humor, but this, and it's not a scientific book like, um, you know, at the age of five, you can tell the kid this, and then, no, it's a real story from different people that I collected on um, just the way they dealt with different subjects, which kids don't have the issues the adults do. So that's kind right. Of what was the impetus of the project? What Did you just see the need for it? Did you Were you hearing stories? or What started? And then talk about some of the people you have to talk about. You have some great people. In I, I interviewed a lot of fun people. I, uh, several years ago, I saw from my sister about her kids. They live in Delaware, and they were tiny young, and I just was curious if they knew about my orientation. And she said, I think so. I'm not sure. I don't know exactly how to approach that. She goes, I wish there was a book on that. Uh-huh, that's not a bad idea. And I started saying, I don't think there's really a book specifically on parent or adults speaking to kids about different subjects like that. So I just said, yeah, let me write that book. I like to write. So, um, And then I just started talking to different people, getting their stories, and they would lead me to other people and different subjects would just come up. And it, it, you know, it took me a few years to go back and forth, and I was busy with other things. But like I... My other sister said, well, there's a book called Heather Has Two Mommies, which I had not heard of at that point. And so I actually contacted that author, Leslie Newman, and spoke with her. And Had her on the show. Yeah. She's very Oh, yeah. Very and um, she had a couple of other books that I talk about that are good to read to kids, uh, you know, about LGBT families. Um, or I interviewed Dale Shores because um, he had a movie, I Love Sorted Life, and he raised two daughters as a uh, gay father and a really great family. Um, and he would refer me to, oh, you have to talk to these guys. They're in uh, – Family Equality Council, and, you know, so I did that, and um, people referred me to PFLAG, so I interviewed people in that, and transgender in that, and um, it just it kind of evolved, and then I kind of organized it and put it together, and I, Shelley Wright, the country singer who came out a few years back, I interviewed her, and ironically, she's in a year, but you, you would think there's no issues, hardly at all, she says, no, no, we, even when I'm holding hands with my wife, sometimes we'll get looks, and we had a problem in the store where they almost didn't want to serve us because we were lesbian, so it's... I was surprised because there's certain areas that I feel like might not be needed, but a lot of conservative states or places where people don't have those resources. But it's it's, it's amazing, you know. It's um, but it has gotten a lot better. And, you know, the book kind of talks about things in the past where it used to be much harder, and they're, they're much easier now. So I'm glad this is radio because I'm, I'm doing that Beto thing with my hand now. <laughs> <laughs> versus your, your homeland? 
the, the best part to, to live here. Yeah. Um, the best part to live here, uh, it's like everywhere. It's like uh, I learn about the culture, I learn about the city, I learn about the law, and I have a wish to show you my job because my dream is not all oh, join the market, Hollywood, uh, and join the Hollywood market or uh, got the, the best contract. My job is to still love what I do, expire another person who uh, a tool with my job, you know, it's like help another person, other people, it's open my own uh, social project. It's not what I, I wish for, for, for like, grow in my career, it's like grow by myself, it's like inside, my job is inside, because when I work inside, uh, I work outside, I, uh, the people can see my love, uh, this is amazing, for me this is the, the best point of my career. That is fantastic, and talk about, I mean, it, it's funny because models obviously have the look for everything, and that's thanks to mom and dad yeah. a lot. But talk about the health part of it, uh, and then what's the difference? Like, we all think, I think, I won't speak for all of us, but I'll speak for all of us. A lot of gay men think Brazilian men are absolutely yeah. gorgeous, that there's a gorgeous one, everything. And L.A., everyone says L.A. is all the beautiful people. What's kind of the difference between the two, and then what do you do? What do you do to make yourself stand out? What do you have to do? This is the point. It's beauty is not everything. Because if beauty is everything, the Miss Universe is the, the most important person in the world. You have to show your personality. You have to show your fight. Why you, you, you do this? You love your job. You have to ask yourself about what are you doing? Why are you expiring uh, who? You know? And it's not... Just of course, I want to grow in my career. I want to get a big brands. I want to join Hollywood. I think you be, you know, because I know I can do that. But it's it's another. It's, you have to look to another side. It's not just for money, success, famous. You have to to look about uh, your value. This is more important. Right. Me, is my point. That's great. Yeah, I came to Hollywood with nothing. I'm legal with less. And if there's a difference, has there been a difference in the modeling world here or different yeah. things? What's the difference between where the you modeling here and you know, in Brazil? Yeah. Uh, it's not different. It's like the same, similar, but the market here is more difficult because it's the the I think it's the most. The most big market in the world is America and Asia. Mm -hmm. And here you have more opportunity to grow, to make money, to do everything you want. In another country, it's more difficult. But it's the same. It's casting. You have to go to casting. You have to to do everything you do in another, another place. It, it's similar. But the level is different. Okay, gotcha. And what you, you talked a little bit about your goals. What is your goals? Um, what when you came here? What was your goals? And what are your goals now that you've been here a couple months? My goals here is uh, I wanna I wanna do my exo class because I did in Brazil, but it's not available here in America. But I wanna uh, open more markets because 
I don't want to just do one thing, you know. I'm a model. I want to do the social project to help people. And I want to do actor class. I have university. And it's just ambiental. I want to work in all that side, you know, all this market. For me, it's like I'm open. I'm right. open to, to the opportunity. Very cool. And then if you really get, if you really get talking to him, Think of him as <clears throat> your modern day Sofia Vergara. Yeah, he is yeah, hysterical. He's absolutely hysterical when he starts talking and when he gets really serious. I had the opportunity to talk with him last night. We were talking and going back and forth, and I'm like, "This is so Sofia Vergara." Uh -huh. <laughs> and he just, he just cracks me up. I love that. I love that. Ben, just move on to you. Uh, talk about. We've mentioned a couple times here. You've now retired from competitive dancing. And like I said, you guys won. You and Nicole won the U.S. Open Swing Dancing. Talk about that, what that means to you now going out on top and what what it feels like afterwards. Like, is it a little bit of regret? Is, is it missing? Or is it like, so glad I don't do that anymore? Well, the, it's a very small niche community, but the, the U.S. Open is actually our world championships. So we had that once a year. And that would be, um, that was my 14th world. Um, and so uh, it was one of those things where, again, uh, using a basketball reference, but I'm a huge Kobe Bryant fan. Uh, they say that number eight is the rapist, so I, I like the number 24. But uh, he was, you know, kind of a sociopath of how much he worked and how he trained. And so I, I was about to hit 35 at the beginning of this year. And so for me, um, I wanted to go out undefeated, and father time is not going to beat me. So I wanted to go out before I would lose uh, my physical prime. And, um, yeah, so I, I wanted to put everything into it. Also, um, some people know this if you follow me on social media. Um, my father has been very, very ill for a few years now, and um, we're not sure how much time he has left. And so one of the things, my dad was my first dance teacher, when I was two and a half years old, um, he put me on top of his feet and taught me how to do my first basic. And uh, it, was, it was important for me that he was able to see me um, finish, um, you know, a product of his work as well as my beautiful mother's. And um, I wanted to finish out in, in that space as best as I could be. So I wanted to, to kind of honor them more than anything. Now, is it weird retiring as a professional athlete? Yeah, it's totally weird. <laughs> uh, I mean, the day afterwards, I was just like, what next? And I'm working on a lot of things. I'm actually dancing more and training more, and there's just less stress of a looming competition coming up. Right. There's no seasonal difference, as we were talking about before the recording. Like, I'm, I'm working with the same Olympic trainers and staff to get my body back in shape and actually recouping from the World Championships because I was broken. <laughs> busted. Broken down. Yeah, completely. So for me, um, yeah, that, that's just been a, it's been a great thing for me to kind of appreciate things a little bit more, to focus more on my personal life, and also on my professional life. I, I think um, the difference with competitive dancing is there's really not a very lucrative, it's not a lucrative field. Right. So I, I turned down roles, even in one of the high school musical films as a performer and choreographer, I turned down a lot of things because it conflicted with my competitive schedule. And um, for me, I feel like I'm actually having like a second life, a rebirth, a renaissance, if you will, of my career, just because I'm actually able to put full time into working for other avenues and venues without the constraints of competition, because that was very important. I, I hold 
not to toot my own horn, but toot toot, I hold the world record for most wins out of any professional sport in the world. And it's important for me, I wanted to do that for me. Right. It's not going right. to do anything for my career. It really won't, <laughs> other than the hard work that I've been uh, ingrained in myself. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been an interesting experience, but the last six months have been great. That's awesome. And you do so much. I kind of alluded to your story. You do all this behind-the-scenes choreography. I talk to all these guys on social media a lot, and I feel like friends with them, and you're one of the best about being tight-lipped. It's like, oh, I have this great project. I never get to find out. You're probably yeah. the best tight-lipped person I am. But you have all these amazing projects. How is it to, when these people come to you, um, is there anything that you particularly gravitate towards that you really like to do? Or what, what really is a challenge to you? What makes you like about the choreography? Uh, to me, honestly, every even if it's if I'm working with a seven-year-old that's never danced a step, or if I'm working with a 75-year-old that can barely walk, for me, um, it the pressure feels the same as it would be if this was like an international film or campaign. Or um, to me, I take everything that I do both with the utmost joy, gratitude, but as serious as a seizure. And um, for me, it's just really important to to always put that pressure on me because I feel like during those pressure cooker situations, it's where it manifests my ability to produce something. Right. So, right. yeah. Very great. cool. I love that. Let's talk about a couple future projects. You have um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hollywood. You know Hollywood. Talk about that, and then I want to go into a little bit about uh, you have a great stage show that I get to see next weekend. I'm so excited about. Yeah. Let's talk about a couple upcoming projects here. Yeah, so actually on your show last year, this is ironic because we talked about, like, there was a project that I was so excited to be doing. If you go back to the podcast, I mentioned that, and that's all I could say because of the non-disclosure. But, yeah, I, I was an associate specialty choreographer and actually like a co-assistant director at one point, subsequently for the new Quentin Tarantino, Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Al Pacino, just to name a few names. Just a couple. Not like I'm dropping it. Just a couple. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Yeah, right? So I, I got a chance to work on a very private set on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the new Tarantino film that's coming out next month. Fantastic. And uh, it's it was one of those things where I auditioned to be a dancer from a, an old TV show. I can't name the name yet until it comes out. But there's a guy from the 60s that moves and looks very similar to me. And so I was immediately almost casted. I still had to go through over 3,000 people auditioned. I got the part, and then Quentin is on the other end with, with the casting director saying, we're going to go with a different thing. We only need girls. And so I knew I'm willing to have a chance. I, I was ready. ready. I was ready. <laughs> Yeah. 
I saw a filming of the little TV show he was in with Kirk Cameron and everything, and I oh, dropped really? something off the side. He picked it up and gave it to me. So we worked together. <laughs> yes. He picked it up and kind of gave it to me. Uh, so that was cool. Um, yeah. Talk about this great um, uh, farce. What do you want to call it? Farce, you want to call it? Character. Politically talk- satire. Oh, uh, I love it. Yeah, so last year, uh, a buddy of mine, Danny Salas, who is a producer of many, many television shows, he's a dear friend of mine, he wrote uh, a passion project called the first annual Trump Family Christmas Special. And it's obviously a tongue-in-cheek, very satirical, like, musical uh, dance number. And he sent me a script, and I was working on a television show with him called Pop Game at the time. Um, and he just said, listen, I need a choreographer just to do some staging, some simple stuff, would you mind corresponding with me? And what was supposed to be Two numbers and some staging became 12 different musical and dance numbers. And the show went from doing a performance and debut on the Comedy Central stage in Hollywood last year to having an off-Broadway debut for several weeks, which was fantastic. And there afterwards, as we were doing that, um, we decided to make a second annual rendition. So we're going to be debuting this week, July, sorry, June 7th through the 16th, which is going to be great. Um, we're really excited about it. Um, it's very similar to a small production like a menopause, the musical, and um, I, we're really looking forward to just bringing a little bit of lighthearted comedy, but really smart, smart lyrics, brilliant actors and actresses, and some really good music, um, and maybe some good choreography if you like my stuff, <laughs> um, to a performance where I think it's very much needed in this kind of spectrum. I feel like we do a lot of spoofs, we do a lot of jokes, but this actually, what it does to me, talking about normalcy, it actually takes the, and what's funny is Trump is not in the musical, just a little keyword. The only thing that we do is the scenes change based upon Trump tweets. And so we have a voice actor that imitates and we've done the Tonight Show, all the Trump nice. voices that you get, he, he recorded audio for us and we have these giant tweets pop up on a, on a screen and that segues into different musical numbers that we have. But basically, I'll put it this way. Come see it. Come check out uh, the first annual. Second Wait, annual. It's going to be uh, June the 7th to the 16th here in L.A., and then we're going to have another uh, incarnation in New York soon. The one thing that I would just say is, like, if you – it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on. Um, it kind of pokes fun at everybody a little bit, but ultimately it also just really takes a big fat shit on our terrible <laughs> – but it's great. He's not in it, which is great because I think sometimes too much of him is a lot. But seeing the family members and the people that are around this administration, I think, are what's actually fascinating. You know, these characters, it's not Khaleesi that's important or Jon Snow. It's, yeah. it's everybody yeah. else that's revolving around those characters, to me, that motivates and moves things. So as they died off, the show gets worse. Similarly, you know, seeing Marla Maples interact, with Ivana and Ivanka and oh son, my gosh. which is a brilliant thing. Um, yeah. Waving Russian flags by accident instead of American flags. So there's, oh. there's a lot of like really good tongue-in-cheek things and literally we have the gayest tents on earth. So um, <laughs> there's definitely a lot of queer-friendly attitude to it and come on, come all, come see it. Uh, you guys can go to my social That's media and visit it on. Start what? I'm kidding. I said, don't tell me what to do. I'm not going to tell you <laughs> It's going to be huge. I'm on my own. Okay, <laughs> fine. All right. It's going to be huge. I tell you, huge. So it's a passion project for me. Uh, not getting paid for it. It's just one of those things where I felt like it would be great to kind of give back at a very tumultuous political landscape. And um, it, it's when I watched it, when I read the script for the first time, I literally laughed out loud, which is something I rarely do. That's amazing. Well, I remember you posting that when it was in New York last year, and I'm loving it. So I can't wait. I get to see it, guys. Yeah.
Mr. Eddie Lobo, we're so excited to have you going back in the front of the crowds. You're known for your comedy. You cracked us up a couple of times. Talk about this new show, I Am What I Am. You're going to make me follow that. After, <laughs> after all that, you're going to make me follow that. Exactly. <laughs> well, mine's in pre-production. <laughs> it's not produced yet. Um, no, it's uh, just basically comedy about my life. Uh, you know, over the last 10 years, I've really come in to find out who I am, what I am, and the fact that I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. Mm. Uh, what used to be very important to me and making sure that I fit the molds of everybody else so everybody would like me. I, I don't know if it's my age or what it is, but I'm at a point where I just don't give a shit. You either like me or you don't like me. And if you, you don't like me, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. I'm going to be the person that I'm known to be. I'm going to be the person that I've created for myself, which is a person that gives and loves and laughs. And I've had crazy stuff over the course of my life. And basically, that's the whole premise of my comedy show, I Am What I Am. I and love it. And it's all about that storytelling through the whole thing. So wow. it's, 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 a great, it's a great concept that I'm still writing and finishing it up. It's testing the waters on it and getting ready to put it on the stage again. You gotta come back. I want exclusivity when it's ready to go, my friend. That is fantastic. Well, I remember you when last time I was on your show, the first time I was on your show, it was so ironic because when I started doing stand-up, uh, one of the places that I started at was the Ice House, and he was yeah. in the audience. Yeah, I was. And uh, that I was talked the first time on the show. Oh, Eighteen years yeah. ago. Nineteen years ago. It was really well. I was doing my research for him. It's like, wait a second. I was at that show. I used to love to go to the Ice House, so I grew up here and everything. That's one of my favorite comedy venues. And, yeah, I remember that. You were 18 then? Yeah, I was 18 years ago. Wow. So you were 18. Exactly. One of the first things we talked about, too, was friend movement. Back in the, um, that's how I came across you and Ronnie, your business partner, both. You guys created this amazing nonprofit that brought so many things together between bullying and homelessness and had so many tentacles out to it, and you guys' careers just both blew up and did a lot of different things, so much going on, but now you're kind of bringing it back again and adding to the mission even. Talk about Friend Movement, Jeff. Uh, when Ronnie and I started Friend Movement, it was really focused on bullying <clears throat> and <clears throat> trying to figure out what exactly we're trying to convey that it, uh, that, uh, you, well, one, you've got to be a friend to yourself before you could be a friend to anybody else. But there was a lot of different things that we were trying to put in there. Um, we've created a, a feeding program. We feed the homes. We fed thousands and thousands of people. Uh, then we also did uh, coats, jackets, blankets during the winter. We've actually, over, over the course of a friend movement, we've actually uh, found people that are not in the workforce because of maybe age. And once they've retired, they're just, discriminated against because they're not young enough. So we've used our connections to bridge that. Um, there's just been so many different facets of friend movement. And we've also found that along the way, we, we hit some hiccups and we needed to, to revise what we wanted to do. Um, our whole goal was to eventually have a, a 5013C of our own. Mm. And I think with everything that's out there, we find ourselves competing. So we started partnering with other organizations, and we screen those organizations. Who's really doing work in the community? Who's really 
um, you know, making a difference. And Ronnie and I know how to make money. We know how to, well, actually, I should say we know how to raise money. So, um, and we also know how to do productions. I think our end is going to FM Productions, which we created under the umbrella of the Friend Movement, because we do have a certain criteria for the way we work. Um, it's all about consideration. It's all about respect of each other. Every facet of what goes into a production, a runway, a junket, whatever it is that we're doing, nobody has a bigger part than anybody else because each and every person is a, is a part of the wheel that makes it turn. They're all part of the entire production. So there's ultimate respect all the way around. And so we have a certain criteria. And it's funny because people will say um, when somebody is not being cool at work, all of a sudden they'll say, well, you know, that's not very friendly. So it started to build itself because it's the way we work. And it's also about bringing people together, um, you know, uh, dropping all the labels, yeah. uh, dropping all that, well, I do this, I do that. So when you see our groups come together and we're, we're going to be putting our friend-family thing back together where we have these, these uh, different events. It's like family. It's like family. Yeah, and remember to yeah. Well, i got to brag on you for a bit. I mean, like I said, I've been following for at least four years now since we got together. But you guys have done things like I remember um, Carrie, who is a fantastic friend to the LGBT community and ally, who does so much for so many productions around town and everything. When she was having trouble with a car, you were able to make that connection for her to get a car. Yeah, when you had a um, the, the young girl who you brought, I was able to bring on my show, who wanted to do a fashion line and, and was able to do this fashion line, you really find ways to make things work for people. And I think that's one of your biggest strengths of Friend Movement is you have these contacts and you honestly don't do it for yourselves. I see you connect for everyone else. That has nothing to do with the two of you. It really is bring, connecting to other people together. So I love that part of it. And I, I need to brag on you that because that's really ah. special. Well, you know, it's interesting because the Ronnie and Eddie show, which we've had a lot of stalling on, on finalizing that, uh, the whole concept of the show, uh, is about behind the smoke and mirrors of Hollywood. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's so interesting because um, we see so many talented people that if they don't fit a certain mold, they don't get that chance. So the show is basically was based off of finding somebody that has a vision and it take, we figure it takes three episodes to do it and we screened a bunch of uh, submissions, and we found this young lady, Jessica Bazan, and she wanted to be a fashion designer, and she's a good designer, but she, she's, you're not your typical, you know, twig, she's right. a, a voluptuous woman, but she's so unbelievably beautiful, and her heart and soul, her entire family are amazing, so we decided that would be the one, and so we got in touch with her parents, uh, Alexander Rodriguez came on the show, we were uh, sponsored by the Sofitel, Put the entire show, put, uh, hosted the entire show. Um, we had Andrew Christian. We had uh, Joshua Christian was on uh, as far as the models. Um, they brought their lines, but she was the only line we brought on. And then when we brought her on to the show, we announced to her in front of the cameras that she was our choice. And we did the entire show, and it was called Fashion Rock. And we did the entire show, so we did a whole run with 
I was very fortunate because I was able to share the stage with Joyce Sherrod from the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. She hosted it with me, and it was a huge honor. And she's absolutely amazing. She's been her, uh, Lisa Vanderkamp, have been huge, huge advocates and big sponsors for us in so many ways. Pump Restaurant has done so much for the Ronnie and Eddie Show for Friend Movement. So been really well, that's cool. amazing. I can't wait to, to see where it goes from here. Just thanks for all you do in the community. I really appreciate Glad to have you on. Let's move over to Kyle Thomas now. Kyle, we talked briefly about your producing and writing background, but I want to delve into a little bit more here. Um, Talk about when you write and produce, what brought you from, you were a Midwest guy, like I am yeah. now, banished in the Midwest, as I am, <laughs> but you made it to L.A. Talk about what your goals were and what you wanted to do when you, come, when you came here. Well, I mean, I've always been uh, a romantic, and a lot of my content, you know, does circulate around love and intimacy and how we express that, you know, as individuals. And so it was really exciting to, you know, be branching out. I've actually been, over the last couple of years, developing different kinds of content and, you know, really trying to get it to a much larger level. And so, yeah, so, I mean, I'm really, you know, I'm also now doing a lot of astrology, but I really am focused on, you know, the, the multifacets of my career. Like, I really want to focus on, you know, television and new media as well as the astrological aspects as well. And, Pat, let's talk about the radio part. Kyle has done something really cool. He's put some charts together for all my guests today. So we're going to learn a little bit of insight from the stars here in a second after our next break. But talk about um, – I'm so honored to have you and Sam Davidson on the Left Straight Radio Network. You guys started Astro Kiki in April, and it's really where uh, astrology and pop culture mixes. Talk about the format. It's a great format. Well, one of the cool things is that Sam is a celebrity journalist, and so she has an insight into the behind-the-scenes of Hollywood that a lot of people don't have. And so we talk about how, you know, that actually is correlated with the stars. And so, you know, we bring on a celebrity every week, and it's been really wonderful. So you guys need to come on, you know, uh, to our show. And, um, yeah, we get to, you know, really kind of dive into the application of how astrology is integrated into our lives and, you know, you can actually forecast and, and harness different aspects in order to live a life of abundance. So, yeah. Very cool. I love that. And are you able, I mean, you're one of those Hollywood types that can't say about anything happening down the pipe, but are we able to talk about the census project at all? So, yes, actually, uh, that launches on Wednesday. So, I was brought on by Calpination, um, which is an organization that is put, pushing forward a lot of content for the 2020 census. The 2020 census uh, launches, you know, uh, in April of next year, and it really helps determine the resources that go back to each community. So it was a true honor to be, you know, brought on by them, and I wrote it, I directed it, and I'm also in it with some incredible influencers who I just totally adore. And so, yeah, you know, with it being Pride Month, we're really excited to be launching it on Wednesday, and we have politicians and organizations all over the nation that will be supporting it as well. Nice. All right, well, guys, we're going to take our last break here, uh, play a little bit of Try from Michael Mott, fantastic composer from New York, great friend of the show. When we come back, we're going to delve into the stars a bit more. Kyle's going to give us all a little mini reading here, uh, see what's in our stars and what's in our forecast here. Uh, Jordan, go ahead and take it away in Ohio. This is Michael Mott with Try. 
Hi, you're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on Left of Straight Radio Network.
five amazing guests with me today. We have Benji, Rick, Eddie, Gil, and Kyle. Guys, we have a treat today. Kyle does a, a great Astro Kiki radio we just talked about in the last segment. And he is able to bring different uh, celebrities and personalities on the show and give them a little reading of what's in their charts. Then we're going to have a little fun game they do at the end of each show. So, Kyle, Triple take percent. it away, buddy. All Who right. start with? I'm going to start with you, my love. Oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Scott is a Capricorn sun with a Cancer rising in moon. So this means that you were born on a full moon, meaning that throughout your life you were meant for large expansion and, and creating an impact on the world. Um, also, you know, clearly you're doing that. I mean, you're building, you know, network. You're really building, you know, connection and powerful network as well. Nice. So that's really, really beautiful, and I, you know, I can see that. Also, we were saying how you actually are going to bloom in the, the mid to late part of your life rather than in the beginning. So that's really important. Thank you, you, old age. It's about time it works for my favor. I like that. <laughs> An important prediction I have for you is that right now you are in a building portion of your life, and all of your big actions that you take now are going to be manifesting in 2020. Jupiter is in your 12th house of privacy, healing, and renewal. And so you really need to focus now on what big things that you want to launch for the next 12 years. Your biggest career endeavors this year are going to be launched after September 28th. So do everything that you possibly can to enhance your publicity and fame after that time. And then a big, important romantic or creative moment can happen around November 12th because you're the full moon in Taurus. So that's nice. mine for you. So actually, the interesting thing is you and Benjamin have the exact same chart. Really? Well, I mean, similar enough. I mean, you're both actually Capricorn Sun and Cancer rising in moon. So actually, everything that I just said also affects Benjamin as well. I was born on a full moon. I remember my mom told me that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you are. Crazy. So the same, the, same kind of, the same kind of thing is that you have a natural, you know, ability to really make a wonderful impact on the world and you know, allow it to create, you know, more of um, a conversation about anything that really is important to your heart. So, you know, really lean into that energy for both of you and, you know, make sure that your voice is heard. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next we have Edward. Uh, so Edward is a Taurus son with a Sagittarius. Uh, wait, no, no, wait. What did you first say, Edward? Yeah, so you are a Taurus son. I'm May 18th, so we have a very similar aspect of that. Um, and the interesting thing, so with you having a sun sign, that's an earth sign, that's really important to you. So you do have a very grounded nature. However, with you having a Sagittarius rising, this means that you also really love to kind of have uh, an entertaining vibe. You like to really, you know, be creative and, and be spontaneous, and so that's really important for you. Also, your birthday this year fell on a full moon, so that meant starting on your birthday of this year, for one year completely, you will be really focusing on culminating things in your life. So whether that's in relationships or, you know, whatever, over the last couple of years, you definitely have been working towards things, and they're all going to manifest this year. Ooh. Also, an important prediction I have for you is that since you are a Sagittarius rising, you are in the luckiest year of your life for the next 12 years. So do everything that you possibly can to make an impact because these are going to be trends and cycles that last for 12 years for you. So definitely really use as much as you can on 2019. An important love and creative creativity moment for you is the new moon on August 30th. Use the 10 days after that 
to really allow yourself to express yourself. And if you have love, build more love. Or if you want to debut some sort of creative project, that will last for you for a year. A big career moment for you is going to be around August 30th, 15th, though. So make sure that you court attention and launch anything that you can at that time. Okay. Mm, nice. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I do have a, I do actually have um, it typed up, so I'd be happy to send it out to you. Um, all right. So, Sudi, we have uh, your Cancer rising with a Gemini sun. So that means that you were actually born shortly after a new moon. And so throughout your life, you're really going to be focusing on really developing new, new things and karmically trying to take new steps in your life. Um, what else do we have here for you? So you're in a long trend right now of improving and finding partnerships, particular, particularly long-term commitments. If you are married, uh, this will actually improve. If you aren't, you have an opportunity to find someone who is of marriage potential. Jupiter is a planet of good luck and good fortune, and it is bringing you a lot of important energy in this area of your life. So attorneys, managers, collaborators, roommates, or a husband are all favored at this time. An important prediction that I have for you is that since you have uh, eclipses happening in your identity sector, as well as your partnership sector for the next year, you are really going to be shifting how you present yourself to the world, as well as how you view your, yourself in relation to partnerships. So, you know, you actually may be releasing some that are not serving you so that you can be moving on to more fulfilling and happier relationships. So, yeah, thank you. There's <laughs> um, that. Um, a big career moment that I have for you is going to happen likely around September 13th. So really use that moment to, you know, stand in the spotlight and be center stage because the world will be applauding you at that time. Then if you're looking to build more art or love in your life, Use the days following September 28th. That is going to be very, very important to you. So there's that. Um, yeah, I, I think that really covers a lot of your energy. So really lean into how you can be stronger in a partnership rather than be strong by independence alone. You'll actually find your relationships are more fulfilling for you at this time. And it's important to follow this because if you don't make these things happen now, it's going to be harder for 12 years to manifest it. Yeah. So get on that shit. Um, <laughs> so there's that. Um, all right, what else do I have for you? All right, so Gilberto, you are a Taurus rising with uh, Aquarius sun. You are born shortly after a new moon, meaning that you also are going to be pushing new boundaries in your life. Um, so there's that. The, an important prediction that I have for you is Jupiter, as I was saying before, is a planet of miracles and good fortune and opportunity. It takes 12 years for it to go around the sun, so it blesses different areas of our lives. Right now, it's in your place of hopes and dreams and long-term plans. So you're actually going to be seeing how you can actually manifest these things in a very methodical way. So look and think about where you want to be for the rest of your life and how you can make steps towards that because whatever is closest to your heart can manifest. Also, joining any community will be really blessed at this time. So really focus on how your network can improve your life. Um, your most blessed time is going to start in December 2020 and will lead on through 2021 because Jupiter will be in your sign. So that's really important. A big moment for you this year will be a culminating time around August 15th. So really focus on that. If you want to build more love and creativity into your life, 
use the days from June 3rd, which is today, until June 13th. Right now, this is a new moon in this area, and a new moon brings new opportunities and new beginnings. So really focus on that. You know, whether if you're dating someone, you know, tell them you love them, or if you're looking for someone new, try to find someone through an artistic medium or some sort of community involvement, which is right now. You know, maybe your husband could be sitting here and you don't even know it. Um, the last thing I'll say for you is to launch really important career endeavors after the new moon that starts on October 27th. It, you know, as I was saying, is that, you know, new, mo- new moons open a door in our lives that may have been closed prior. The thing about that is that, you know, we can't just sit and think about, you know, our inten- intentions. We have to create the life that we want. So doing that, you know, is important through action. So, you know, you may want to take the time prior to think about, you know, what is really important in your career and how you want to better impact the world and receive more fame in the coming year. So do things and launch them then, and I promise that they will help you, you know, truly reach more of your goals in coming year. I, I hit everybody, correct? Right, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they just kind of got stuck with my stuff. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I hit the last second. I'll share mine with you. Yeah, I mean, the key thing, you know, I'll kind of go back to it, is a big career endeavors, you know, lay them after September 28th, because those will, you know, affect you and bring you more fame. Um, so that's really, really crucial. Uh, and then, yeah, an important romantic or creative moment could be happening around November 12th. Um, so, you know, that's going to be really favored for, like, really hot sex and really great emotion. Um, also, creativity, you know, you can really focus on you know, releasing a project of feeling more inspired and allowing yourself to, you know, really communicate much more significantly. Um, one thing I will say for you is that if you are looking for, are you married? No. Okay, so you may actually, your best time to really see a lot of abundance in your partnerships is going to start on December 3rd and go throughout an entire year of all next year. So you may either find really significant people that are going to be great collaborators or, you know, important one-on-one relationships in business, but also you may have an opportunity to really find a husband if that's something that you're looking for. So, you know, really take this time now because you're actually being favored a lot in your work life um, until December. So if you really, you know, think about now about like the kind of person that you want to be in and also because you are going through eclipses that are happening in your identity and in your partnership sector, for over a year now, you're going to be seeing a lot of relationships come and go and, you know, or begin that feel very faded to you. So, you know, eclipses are one thing that, you know, for anyone that, you know, listens to Astro TV, you know, I, I do talk about eclipses as a form of destiny. So, you know, no matter if you believe in God or angels or, you know, spirits or stars or whatever it be, when you were born, you know, whoever you are, you know, that great energy basically put certain tent poles in your life. And these are what eclipses are. So between these certain, you know, certain times, we have the ability to kind of direct our path through free will. And, you know, but no matter what, these important things are going to shift and happen. And so that is going to actually help us redirect on our soul direction. So for instance, like if you have an eclipse in your love area, you're going to fall in love or you're going to fall more deeply in love. Or you're going to, you know, allow more fertility to happen in your life. Like, that's, that happens to me. So, like, I know that. And as an astrologer, it's really important for me to see things in a tangible way so that I can help you 
you know, kind of see what patterns are available to you so that you can actually receive everything that you want, you know. So one thing that I also try to teach people and connect with is that, you know, you don't deserve just a little bit of love. You deserve all of it. You don't deserve just a little bit of success. You deserve all of it. Everything that you want, you can have if you use the right timing in order to harness that energy. You know, right now, it's a new moon, literally today, in Gemini. So collectively, that affects all of us in, our, in the way that we are communicating with the world. And, you know, here we are, you know, networking and connecting together and, and having the opportunity to be the first uh, group of panelists with Scott. And we all love you. But here we are, you know, we're, we're trying to connect to listeners, but also to each other. So that, in general, is really favorite at this point in time. But then also, we do have different ways in how it affects our personal charts. So if anyone's ever interested in a reading, I mean, I'm happy to, you know, connect with you. I have clients all over the world. I've been being interviewed uh, on a global level uh, by mainstream magazines every week this year, which has been such an honor. And it's really wonderful to be able to, you know, connect with people and, and hopefully make an impact on their lives. Thank you, Thank Kyle. You. Yeah. Wow. All right. Very cool. Thank oh, but we have one thing that we, we're going to play a game. Do so you want to do that now? Or? Let's do that. There's a game every week that actually comes with the kind of fun. Yeah. So, um, and, I, and also I just want to say, you know, thank you, Scott, for, you know, basically pushing me to create Astro Radio because it's been something that I've been thinking about doing for quite a while, and you really gave me the courage to, you know, step and create a, a format that I hope people really like. And, you know, legitimately, I, I feel very blessed to have connected to you, and, you know, thank you for the opportunity, because I, I really do appreciate that and you. I love that. You are very welcome, and I'm supposed to create this year, so we'll get some more shows on the air. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Cool. So one thing that we do play on Extra PC is we also, uh, to end the game, we, or to, to, end, to end the episode each year, or each day, uh, we choose three different stars in that zodiac sign. So we are in Gemini. So uh, actually, Scott was able to pick three very handsome Gemini men, and you choose who you would bang, who you would marry, and who you would channel. Okay. Okay. Kill. 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 Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's all fun and games, you know. Bang, Mary, um, Kill. Bang, Mary, Kill. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> our first one here is Eddie, is it Eddie Cibrio? Eddie Cibrio. Yeah. No, I know Eddie personally. I work with Eddie. This is going to be fun. <laughs> and, then, and then we have Kanye West, and then we have Clint Eastwood. So, you need to choose one of them and a shrine and stick it. And we can start uh, around with I'll, 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 I'll start. Let's see. Um... Eddie Cibrian, I think, is adorable. So I would, uh, I would probably bang Eddie. Um, what I'd marry because he's getting older, and there might be a little inheritance involved. So I think ah. I would, I would, and he's very talented. I would, I would probably never want for talent around. Or, so I would probably do that. And unfortunately, I'd have to kill Kanye. Nothing against Kanye. Sorry, you gotta go. Someone's gotta go. Bye. <laughs> uh, Benji. Okay, so I would say Clint is the closest to the, the mortal time clock, so I'm just going to say we have to kill Clint Eastwood off the back. Um, I, I know Eddie personally um, very, very well, um, so I think it would be fun to, to fuck him. Yeah, yeah, he's going to laugh at that one, too, because we've talked about case that before. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I, I 
certainly would marry Kanye, not because I want to be the next Kardashian, but rather because I feel like Kanye is the most disturbed of the three, and perhaps like connecting with him could be a healthy manifestation of trying to get him out of a dark space. I like that. Helpful to the end, Benji. I like that. Rick? I can't be politically correct, though, because Kanye, which was friends with Trump, but killed Kanye. Uh, bang Eddie, I guess. Sure. And then I guess Mary Clinisha, my mother loves Clinisha, so she probably would like him. There you go. But, um, but I think he really wants to set his chair sitting in front of him. <laughs> Eddie, what about you? Eddie, who's, and what's your choice? Uh, uh, let's see. Um, I think I have to go with what you were saying. Clint Eastwood is completely been around long enough. I mean, since I have to kill somebody, which is not my nature. Um, <laughs> sleeping with any of them, I'm probably going to kill them anyway. But uh, <laughs> I'll just let them all figure that one out. Uh, so I'd have to say still clean these first. Um, I'd have to, um, yeah, God, I'm so terrible about that. Uh, I would have to say, Kanye is kind of uh, a, a really just racy. I bet he would be he would probably have me spring into the ceiling, so I'd probably sleep with him. And Eddie looks a little... That's a really fun image, by the way. That's a really fun image. Spring into the ceiling? I've never heard this before. I love that. I'm totally using that. I have to marry This will be hard for Gil, because Gil doesn't know too many of these. Just to give you a generalization, um, Clint Eastwood is an older actor-director, very, very old actor, but very popular and it was a, a great guy to time. Um, Eddie Cibrian is just a hot young actor, and uh, Kanye West is a music rapper. Yeah. So, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 What about Chris? How would he answer? I like him with yeah. Oh! oh. Thank you. I got a kiss after <laughs> I, oh, I, I kill him because he has one brand, and he left the models on the sun in the for sun three, three hours, two hours to wait for the, the show time. Oh, we got inside scoop yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Oh. oh. Woo. Moving on. Brazil is coming to play, boys. Nice. Oh. Sorry, guys. I'm a little 
finance is a friend of mine. Okay, so okay. I'm in it. Let's find out all the inside things. Oh, shit, that's right. That's, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just one of our friends. Oh, my goodness. They're married. All right. All right, fun game. Thank you, Kyle, for that. I appreciate it. Listen to them every Wednesday, Astro Kiki at 6 o'clock Eastern Time, 3 o'clock here Pacific Time. Guys, it's been a great show. You were the fantastic best nice. kickoff panel I could ask yeah. for. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you. That's a great show. Let's uh, finish up. Let everyone know where they can follow you if you want them to follow you. If you don't, tell them to hell with them. But uh, <laughs> if you have an Instagram or website or something, Benji, where can they find you? You can find me on all social media platforms. Just my name, B-E-N-J-I-S-C-H-W-I-M-M-E-R. And a big thanks to Indulge, John, and Sandy for having us here. This is awesome. And Scott, thank you for inviting me. This is fantastic with all of you. Thank you. Hey, Todd, Ricky. Yeah, you'll find me on Facebook. I get Rick Studi Caritas on Instagram, Studi Rick. Um, website is www.caritas.com. My legal name is Studi. I don't go by Rick. So Spell Caritas. K-A-R-A-T-A-S. And uh, the book can be found at Amazon, uh, Rainbow Relatives and yeah. You had a lot of shirtless pictures too on your Instagram. Well, I do. I do a funny, a weird shirtless thing with Alexa. Uh, every once in a while, I ask her a stupid question, but it just became this thing. I don't know. I like it. Hi, right, Eddie Lobo. I can be found at a lot of the local bookstores. I have a little silver car that says four on the floor, so you figure it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> actually, uh, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, on Instagram, it's Laughing Eddie. On Facebook, it's Laughing Eddie or Eddie Friend Lobo. And me, it's Gil Tato. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram. It's G I L T A T Z U. Follow me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll follow you. <laughs> I'm just going to hear that voice say anywhere. <laughs> And I am Kyle Thomas. I'm a pop culture astrologer. If anyone's ever looking for a reading, I dive into your personal chart, give you important dates that <laughs> will allow you to harness different things in your life. I also do tarot as well to really pinpoint, you know, things, important questions that you may have. You can find me on Instagram as M-R-K-Y-L-E-P-H-O-M-A-S, as well as Astro Kiki, which is Astro Kiki Radio. So thank you so much. Yay. All righty. Guys, thanks so much. Of course, follow the show. Uh, left of, at Left of Straight, always spelled L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R and the number eight. That's at Left of Straight on Twitter and Instagram. Left of Straight Show and Left of Straight Radio on Facebook. Guys, again, thanks so much for being here. We're going to have a great show tomorrow. We're going to be here every Monday and Tuesday from the incredible Indulge Resort in Palm Springs. Tomorrow's show, all the way from Canada, we have singer-songwriter Matt Stearns coming on the show. We have amazing actor Fernando Rivera coming on. He was in the last season of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend that kind of takes place in my old hometown of West Covina. And uh, we have Matt Hayes coming on, fantastic friend of the show. He has a great new movie coming out, um, and I'm blanking on the name, so he's going to kill me till tomorrow. But but thank you, Cognitive. Cognitive is Matt uh, Hayes' new movie. And, guys, you never know where you're going to meet some fun people. We're hanging out at the pool today, all of us. And we met Tim Willie, who does some fantastic wig making for some of the best queens you've ever seen on Drag Race. He's going to be joining us straight here from the Indulge Resort tomorrow as well. And we have another restaurant to feature. 
And Jordan, hopefully we'll be back tomorrow to help us out running the studio. Jordan, thanks so much for everything in Northeast Ohio for us. Go ahead and play us out with a little bit of Ricky Rebel, Life is a Runway. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. All eyes on me. All eyes on me. I know what to do. Wear your clothes. Don't let your clothes wear you. All eyes on me. All eyes on me. I know what to do. Wear your clothes. Don't let your clothes wear you. Walk, bitch. Serve, bitch. Serve it, serve the runway, bitch. Walk, bitch. Serve, bitch. Serve it, serve the runway, bitch. Walk, queen. Serve, queen. Serve it on the runway, feet. Walk, queen. Serve, queen. Serve it on the runway. is our runway. Yeah.